Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. You know, I, I didn't ask permission to do this, but I'm going to do this, uh, and I hope it's okay. There's actually a couple of couples that I want to call up here, and if I call you, would you please, I promise you I'm not going to get you in trouble, but, but would you just delight me? And I want to ask Commander Rudy and Denise if they would join me up here. Uh, come on, guys, I won't get you in trouble, I promise you. I promise you. Come up here. <clears throat> I also want to ask uh, Tony and Debbie if they would come up here. I promise you, you're not in trouble. Just, just, just come up here. And then Rosie, Tony's teaching today, right? He's here. Okay, call him and come up here. Come up here, Tony. There was another couple I had in mind. Where are they? Okay, so Tony, Debbie, sco- scoot over here so that you guys can be together with the rest of the group. So you're not in trouble, I promise you. To, yeah, you might be in trouble after you, you talk, but, but not as of now, right? So today we're going to talk about conflict. <laughs> I don't know anything, okay? I promise you. Um, and, and sometimes I feel it helps us to see some real live examples. And I've asked these couples to come up here because they're not perfect couples, but in what I've observed of them, they're healthy and godly couples. So I'm going to show you what God's word says about conflict in relationships, especially in marriage. But I wanted you to see some examples and maybe get some wisdom from them as to how conflict has played a role in their marriage. So I'm just going to ask you some real simple questions, okay? Real simple ones. The first question is, can you tell us how long you've been married? I've been married uh, 22 years? Uh, 23. 23. (laughs) That's a perfect example of conflict, but harmony. Okay, so it's not 23 yet. And there's another lesson. When you're wrong, admit you're wrong. Now, slip. Commander Rudy, Denise, how long you been married? Almost forgot. Uh, 54 going on 55. Tony, Debbie, how long have you guys been married? 42 years. 42 years. All right. Here's the second easy question. Have you had conflict in your marriage? Have you guys had fights? Never. Never. All right, we'll start with uh, Tony and Debbie. Don't tell us about the conflict. Just have you and... um, 
Only once. Only once. <laughs> okay. Yes, we have. Yes, you have. Okay. Commander Rudy Denise. Every day, man. There's always something. <laughs> Every day. Every day. Tony Rosie. Many conflicts. We've had some. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And then here's the last question I have for you. And here it might get a little tricky. Um, what advice would you give other couples? What has helped you uh, to deal with that conflict in your marriage? What, are, what is maybe one practical thing, one advice that you guys would share with the church when it comes to dealing with conflict? I think one of them was uh, what I understood in the conflicts is that we both have our best interests uh, in mind. We just weren't sure how to communicate that, and it became a conflict. And uh, the best thing for us to do is just step away for a few moments, uh, gather your thoughts, and, uh, and come back and realize we always knew the best for each other. We just really couldn't communicate that. Okay, thank you. Tony, Debbie, what advice would you guys give couples? I don't have one, I have three. Okay, perfect. Communication, respect, and what was the other one? <laughs> what was it, Tony? Prayer. Prayer. <laughs> there you go, thank you. Commander Rudy, Denise, what advice? exceptionally sharp tongue I, you know it just comes naturally <laughs> and I've learned that I need to be slow to speak and quick to forgive can you see that sharp tongue all over me hey look at my arms <laughs> oh, okay. hey we, can we give them a round of applause thank you so much guys Thank you so much. You may take your seats. All right. You know, uh, marriage is God's idea. Marriage is God's creation. The Bible tells us that in God's creation, everything was good. And there was one thing that God noticed that wasn't good. And that was that Adam was alone. Now, you need to understand that God's what God saw, the thing that wasn't good that he saw, was that there was no companionship for Adam. And God's answer was marriage. Now, single people, listen to me. Marriage is not the only answer for companionship. It is the most intimate, it is the most special, and it is the deepest, but it is not the only way. So for those of you especially that are single, when you hear us say, it's not good for man to be alone, we don't want you to feel like if you're not married, you're missing out on some kind of blessing. You can if you don't have community with others. That's why God brought us into his family so that we can have companionship here. That's why we are to connect with others our age and our gender and that are in the seasons of our life so that we can find the companionship that we need. I know some of you guys have pets and you love them and they're like kids to you. But no pet can take the place of another human being. And that's not my opinion. That's the Bible. Because God, the Bible says that God brought all the animals before Adam. And no companion was found for him. Not even the dog. And especially not cats. <laughs> right? 
don't like cats. I think cats automatically go to hell. No, I'm just joking. I'm joking. I am joking. I am joking. I am joking. It is a joke. If you are a cat person, Jesus loves you, okay? But here, here's the thing. When God created marriage, he made it in such a way where unity was necessary. A marriage cannot be healthy. A marriage cannot be strong. A marriage cannot survive without unity. And not only did God's initial uh, plan for marriage involve unity, but Jesus later on attested to this truth. He supported this truth. And look at what he says in Matthew 19.5. This is Jesus speaking. We've looked at this verse throughout this series, but look at what he says. He says, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother, and it's what? Joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. So since they are no longer two, but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. One of the things that needs to be addressed if you want a new marriage is that you have to be mindful and you have to work at having unity in your relationships. And that is why what we've been doing through this series is looking at those enemies, looking at those threats of unity, those things that can destroy, that can minimize the unity in your relationships and end up destroying them. We have to be aware of them. We have to know what they are so that we don't fall for them. The first week we saw that the first enemy of unity in marriage, but also in other relationships, but especially in marriage, it is an, it's an attitude of a contract where you look at marriage as if it was a contract. Well, if you do this for me, then I'll do this for you. If you don't do this for me, well, then I'm checking out. If you don't fulfill my needs, well, then I'm not going to fulfill your needs. And that is an attitude of contract. And that is not biblical because what God wants us to have is the attitude that was in Christ. And the attitude that was in Christ is not one of a contract, but one of a covenant. Right? So that's the first enemy that we have to be aware of. And we overcome that enemy by having an attitude that reflects Christ where we take responsibility to love our spouse, to build up our spouse, and to serve our spouse. But the second enemy that we saw last week is that division happens in relationships when there's no vision, when there's no desire, preferred future in mind. Right? And the, the way we solve that is by dreaming together, by saying, let's have some dreams together. Look at what Amos 3.3 says. It says, can two people walk together without agreeing on one direction? And the answer is what? No. No, no they cannot. So today we're going to look at the third enemy of unity. And as you already know, the third enemy is conflict. It's fights. It's arguments. It's quarrels. And here's what you got to know. <clears throat> Every marriage fights. Every marriage. If you, if you say, well, we don't have a perfect marriage because we got some fights. Well, you got to know that arguments and conflicts are going to be part of every relationship. Look at what the Bible says. Look at what Jesus said, right? In Mark 3.25, he says... A family or a home that fights 
won't last long. A family, a marriage, a relationship that is constantly fighting will not last long. Here's what you got to know. Conflict is always going to be part of relationships. And yes, we can reduce the amount of conflicts in our relationships, but we can never fully extinguish conflicts from our relationships. So if we are never able to extinguish conflicts, and they're always going to be part of our relationship, whether you're married or you're referring to your relationship with your parents or your siblings or coworkers, here's what we got to know. Most people experience division in their relationships because when it comes to conflict, and I say this very respectfully, they're ignorant. They approach conflicts with a very ignorant and naive mentality. And if conflicts are always part of relationships, well, then we need to know what the right attitude, what the right approach to conflicts is. And that's exactly what I want to do today. I want us to look at God's word so that we can look at problems the biblical way. And here's the thing. Here's what I want to teach you today. I want to teach you to fight fair. Pastor, you're going to teach us to fight? Yeah, because you're going to have arguments and you're always going to disagree. And listen, if you get married and you never have problems, you're not in a marriage. That's a problem. Thank you. Let, let me, let me re-say, if you get in a marriage and you never have problems, that's a problem. Right? So today, what I want us to do is learn to fight fair. Most of us did not learn how to deal with conflicts the right way because what we learned is what we saw. And most of our parents were not good at fighting. When they got angry, one of them got drunk. When they got angry, one of them left the house. When they got angry, lamps were broken and frames were punched. When there was conflict, either there was physical abuse or verbal abuse or there was just neglect. And here's the scariest part, okay? Here's the scariest part. If we don't relearn to deal with conflict, we're going to pass that on to our kids. You know, I got two beautiful girls. And to think that they would have to deal with conflicts the way the weak ways that Lorraine and I do because that's what we saw from our parents breaks my heart. So I want a healthy marriage. But I also want my kids to have a good example so that when there are disagreements in their marriage or in their relationships, they go about it the right way. Amen? So what do you say? Are you ready? You want to look at how to fight fair in marriage or in your relationship? Here's three things you got to know if you're going to fight fair. Number one, and it's common sense, but I just need to mention it. The first thing to fight fair in marriage is that you need to know that fights in marriage can be destructive. They can be destructive. It's not an exaggeration. Most of us have stories of how groups, families, churches, friendships, relationships were split apart because of fights and conflict. Most of us can tell more than one story. And see, the first thing we got to know about conflict is that we can't take it lightly. 
We can't ignore it. We can't, we can't sweep it under the rug. We can't think it's insignificant. We can't overlook it because look at the great warning that Jesus gives us in Mark 3.25. We already read it, but let's read it once again. Look at what he says. And this is the New Living Translation version. It says, a family splintered by feuding will what? Will fall apart. You cannot have unity in your family if you're always fighting. You can't have unity in your marriage if you're always fighting. You can't have a good relationship with your kids if you're always fighting. And fights, the only thing they do is that after a while, they end up destroying those relationships. Now, here, here's, here's what most of us fail to understand or to see. And that is that the destruction that conflict brings doesn't happen overnight. Most of us think it happens overnight because it's overnight that they decide that they're leaving. It's overnight that they decide that they're done. It's overnight that, that they cut us out. It's overnight that you maybe find out their secret life. But nothing happens overnight. It is a process. And we have to be aware of what that process looks like where we can get to the place where we're happily married and then suddenly we just hate each other and we want nothing to do with each other. It is a process. And I wanna, I wanna show you that process because I want you to be aware of it so that you can identify it and if you can't, prevent it and stop it. Now here's the interesting thing and this is where the Bible comes in. This process happens in our heart. Most of us would think that it happens in our mind. That it happens in our soul. No. It's in our heart. You remember what the Bible says about the heart? Above all things. Why? Because all the issues of life flow from it. So the path of destruction looks something like this. The first step begins when a heart gets wounded. The first step towards destruction begins with the wounded heart. Fights and conflict produce hurts. And the people we love the most are the people that what? Hurt us the most. And not only hurt us the most, but hurt us the deepest. Jesus said that it was impossible for offenses not to come. And when we are in conflict, when there's arguments, we hurt each other. And if we are not aware of the hurt that has taken place in us and that perhaps we've cost in others, well, then we are going to head down the path of destruction and our relationship will end up ending it begins with the wounded heart but then the wounded heart moves to the second step and that is a cold heart it begins by oh you said I was a horrible person you said that your ex was better than me and then that moves you into a cold heart and and if you're Hispanic, you're, you're especially good at having a cold heart. That's just in our culture. Thank you, Manolo. Right? We know how to be cold without being too direct. 
And when a heart gets cold, you're indifferent. You begin to distance yourself. You're not tender anymore. You're not affectionate. You're not warm. You cut the communication. And whatever communication you have is very superficial, is very general. And here's the worst part. If you're married, the fondness towards your spouse begins to disappear. It begins with the wounded heart. It moves into a cold heart. And do you know what the next step is? Is a hard heart. A cold heart eventually hardens. And a hard heart is a heart that has closed itself. It's a heart that hurts others and doesn't even know it. You, oh, no, I didn't say that. You, you thought about it that way. But because our heart is so hard that we can't even see the pain that we cause on other people. A hard heart, listen to this, is a heart that cannot grow spiritually. Because a spiritual heart is a heart that is alive and soft and open. And a hard heart has shut itself, has, has made promises to itself. No man is ever going to do this to me again. No woman is ever going to treat me that way again. And they cannot grow spiritually. And a hard heart leads to the last step, which is the worst step of all. You may be wondering, well, what's worse than a hard heart? An apathetic heart. What is an apathetic heart? An apathetic heart is an indifferent heart. It's a heart that no longer cares. That's why you've probably seen marriages fall apart. And, and you've probably said, how could they not care about their kids? Well, their heart has become apathetic. How could they not care about all that they've built and all that they've gone through? Well, because their heart started by getting wounded, then getting cold, then hard. And now they're in a place where they simply just don't care anymore. They're indifferent. And apathy leads and ends in destruction of a unity. So if you're going to fight fair... The first thing you got to know is how dangerous conflicts can be. That they start maybe in a, in, a, in a simple way, but they can lead to ending that relationship. The second thing you got to know, if you're going to fight fair, is that fights in marriage can be helpful, right? One side of the coin of fights is that they can lead to destruction. But here's the key. They don't have to. In fight, in, in fact, fights can be helpful. They can be good. That is the key word. They can. Conflicts can destroy marriages. Conflicts can destroy families. But here's what I also know. Conflicts can also strengthen marriages. Conflicts can also strengthen families. Conflicts can also strengthen relationships. Well, then how do we know or what is the key factor between conflict destroying or strengthening a relationship? Well, our approach, our attitude, how we handle conflict. It is not the fact that there's arguments or conflict, but it is how we go about that conflict that makes all the difference, right? Look at what James says 
in chapter 1, verses 2 and 4, it's a, it's a very well-known passage, but look at what it says. Dear brothers and sisters, when trouble of what? What kind? Any kind, Any kind comes what? Your way. Look at this. Here's the attitude. Consider it what? An opportunity for what? Great joy. Not like, oh, here we go again. My suegra's coming over again. Your suegra coming over again is an opportunity of great joy. Nobody said amen. Lord, help us. Verse 3. Look, here's why. Here's why. For you know that when your faith is tested... Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. Let's stop there. What does conflict have to do with faith? What is conflict? Most of you guys do not think there's anything spiritual to your arguments. Your kid being rebellious and sneaking out of school has to do with your faith. Your, your husband not wanting to leave the garage and help you at home has to do with your faith. Right? He says, for you know that when your faith is tested, look at this, your endurance has a chance to what? Grow. Look at verse 4. So let it what? Grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Can I tell you, one of the biggest flaws in our current society right now that we run from conflict. We run. Somebody offends us and we get so hurt that we just go on to the next church. We go on to the next relationship. And because we always run from conflict, we don't have a chance to mature. We don't have a chance to grow. And that's what conflicts do. It's, it's like air. Air can stop a plane, but air can also launch a plane. It just depends how you approach the problem. And James here says that conflicts give us an opportunity for our faith to grow. Because when we deal with issues in faith, here's what happens. Here's what will always happen. The issue won't always get resolved. That's what you got to know. The issue won't always get resolved. But here's what will happen. You will become more patient. You will become more patient. I love the word that the King James uses. And the word patient in the King James is the word long-suffering. That's what patience is. It's a willingness to suffer for a long time. If you've ever been in the lines at the Costco gas station, you know what long-suffering is. Right? And the ability to sit there without honking at people that are not moving their car because they're on their phone, that is long-suffering. And when you're willing to do that, you are becoming, check this out, you are becoming a more mature person. You are becoming somebody who is going to need less and lack less. Problems can be good. It just depends on our attitude. So here's a good question for you. What is the attitude you take into problems? What is your attitude? Some of you, your attitude is you want to be right. You want to be right. 
I was going to show you guys this video. I wasn't able to download it of a man. Um, and it's obviously funny um, or comical. Um, he figured out the formula on how conflicts work in his marriage. And he says, the first formula, the first instance is that if I'm wrong and my wife is right, my wife is right. The second instance is that if, if I'm right and my wife is wrong, my wife is still right. <laughs> right? And the third instance is that if I'm wrong and she's wrong, I'm always wrong. <laughs> right? So what is the attitude that you take? Now, to help you have the right attitude, we have to address two myths about marriage, about relationships. These are not true. Here's the first one. You can fill this out in your outline. The first myth is that good marriages don't have problems. That is a myth. That is a myth. Manolo, you guys have a good marriage. You guys got problems? Absolutely. And 99.9% .9 of them are your fault, right? Good marriages are not problem-free marriages. They're, they're going to have problems. Listen, the only way you're not going to have a problem is if you live by yourself in an island. And even then, some of you, you won't even like yourself after a while. Right? But anytime, anytime you have more than two people, you're going to have conflict. You're going to have arguments. You're going to have fights. And good, healthy marriages still have problems. Here's the second myth, okay? And we've kind of addressed it. But the second myth is that conflict always hurts good marriages. And it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to. It does if you approach it incorrectly. It does if you avoid it. But if you learn to fight fair, your marriage can flourish, can grow. It can be stronger. You can get to extraordinary levels because of disagreements in your marriage. But it is all about attitude. It is about the way you approach that relationship. Here's the third thing you got to know. Here's the third thing. To fight fair, you have to know that fights in marriage reveal, you ready for this? They reveal your heart. They reveal your heart. You know, most of us go into arguments looking at the other person and all their flaws. But I promise you, your relationships will change when you stop and you consider and examine yourself. Look at what James says. Look at what James says, okay? James chapter 4, verse 1. Why do you fight and argue with each other? Why? Here's why, okay? Isn't it because you are full of what? Selfish desires that fight to control. You think I would fight with Lorena if she was constantly telling me, hey, you want me to make you some pancakes? Hey, you want me to make you some tacos? Hey, you want me to give you a massage? Hey, would you like me? If she was constantly serving me, you think I would want to fight with her? But why, why, why are there fights in our relationships? Because I want tacos, but I don't want to do them myself. 
Because I want a clean car, but I don't want to have to wash it myself. I want a clean house, and I don't want to have to do it myself. A lot of our fights come because of our selfish desires within us. That, that, that's, that's what James is telling you. Now, let me illustrate it this way so that you understand how conflicts work. How many of you guys like tea? How many of you guys are tea drinkers? Okay. My kids, my wife got them used to drinking tea when they don't feel good. So anytime they have a little stomach ache, tummy ache, uh, they always ask for a tea. Now, if you've ever done tea, and I know you have, even if you're not a tea drinker, you know that the way tea works is that you put some hot, boiling water on a cup. And then you put the tea bag. And as soon as you put the tea bag, what happens? The color changes. The texture of the water changes. Why? Because the hot water exposed and released what was on the tea bag. Right? It was always there. It, it just took an element to expose and release what was already there. Another one, just a sample. Take a lemon. If you take a lemon and you squeeze it, what comes out of it? Truce. It's always there, but it was, it was your squeezing it that exposed the juice. Many of us think that we're bitter because of, the, of our spouse, but that is not true. We are bitter because of something else. We are angry. We are upset because of something else. It just happens to be that our spouses are that context that bring that out in us. That's why we've told you, you got to take responsibility for your actions. Nobody can make you angry. You choose to let yourself be angry. And problems, conflicts, they reveal what's in our heart. So, so here's the thing. Here's, and I know this is really hard. Trust me. Trust me. Okay. I know this is hard. Lorena has to deal with me. I know how hard it is. But when there's conflict, a lot of times we get caught up on the issue. And we forget about the person. We forget about us. You got to ask yourself, why do I feel that way? Why do I think that way? Why am I reacting that way? Why? There's a role that the Holy Spirit plays in the life of a Christian. And it is a gift that many of us have not tapped into and we need it more than ever. Let me tell you, if you're a parent, you need this gift of the Holy Spirit. What gift are you talking about, Pastor Nestor? The gift of discernment. The gift of the Holy Spirit in you, giving you insight that only he has. And we need to ask, we need to ask the Holy Spirit and depend on the Holy Spirit to give us discernment. Maybe, maybe it's not about the truck. Maybe there's something else going on in his heart that if the Holy Spirit were to give you the discernment, you would be better equipped at solving that conflict. So don't get caught up by the reactions. Oh, that they, they got angry and they, they, they didn't finish cooking the meal for us. Don't get caught up on those things. Look at the heart and say, what is going on inside of them? What is going on inside of me? 
when we understand that problems can be difficult, that problems can be destructive, but when we also understand that our attitude determines whether they're destructive or they can make us stronger, and when we understand that conflict reveals what's in our heart, we'll be better equipped at dealing with conflict and we'll fight fair. We'll fight fair. I'll finish with this. A while back, I read a book, and I was trying to remember what book it was, but I read so many books that sometimes I forget the titles of them. But it was about conflict. And I remember this, this was the thing that stayed with me. And I'll have to admit to you, I'll have to admit to you that I'm not too good at fighting. You can ask Lorraine, I'm, I'm not good. In fact, my problem is that I shut down. I, 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 I'd rather not say anything because I don't want to escalate things. And I know some of you, you're like that. And you say, well, I don't want to stink up the problem worse, more. So I'm just going to stay quiet. But we don't solve it when we're quiet. And then another thing of mine that I've noticed is that I use humor to deflect the truth. Oh, some of you guys do that too? Right? You, you, I use humor like... I'll try to make a light out of it when we're having a serious conversation and because that's my way of not dealing with the truth. I've noticed that some people, when, they, when they're arguing, what they do is that they exaggerate the points to somehow invalidate the points. And that is another way that we avoid. But let, let me finish with this. In the book I read, and, it, and the times that we've done conflict well, Lorena and I, at least this is what's been going on inside of me. And the book said, when you're having an argument with your wife, you have to answer the question, what do you want out of it? What do you want out of it? You want to win? You want to be right? Because if that's what you want, you, that, that's what you'll get. But if you want to stay together, then your approach will be different. If you want to honor her and honor God, then your approach would be different. And that's a question that deals with the heart. What do you want out of it? There's a lot of men that they're right, but they're alone now. And the same is true of some women. They're right, but they're alone and they're lonely and they're struggling because... They chose to be right. Amen? Would you bow your head with me? Right there where you are, right there where you are, would you just bow your head and if if you would, would you just kind of extend your arms in front of you as if you were receiving something? I want to pray for you. And I want to ask the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom, to give you discernment, to give you strength. For some of you, you first need to heal because you, you, you were hurt deeply. And maybe you didn't know any better because you were younger or inexperienced. But you've built some walls in your life that Till today, affect the way you deal with conflict.
And maybe you're a runner or you hide or you exaggerate. But deep down, you know that that's not ultimately what you want in your life. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart, and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but he didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you, and now you have a new life in him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Dayspring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.